The time is 6.27 p.m. And welcome to the Bompy Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandspring. And welcome, Ian. Why do you look like Senator Palpatine from Alexa? What time is it? From Return of the, the Jedi. Time is I thought I'd go for a sort of Grim Reaper look this evening. Uh, yeah. It, well, it. Yeah. Okay. The contrast between, um, obviously, my kind of <laughs> my, my brightly lit room and your your not. <laughs> but there. But there we go. The, um. Anywho, we are we are here. We didn't have any stumblings over the mutings and unmutings. So we've made it. No, all good. All good. So how's your week been, sir? It's not been too bad. There have been some lovely days. I've been out for some nice walks. Um, I've got some things done. Even did a bit of creative stuff, doing some writing. A bit of interpretive dance. A bit of interpretive dance. Um, all Are of my tree. To be fair, all of my dancing is interpretive because it requires at least one and a half bottles of vodka to be able to convince me to A, dance and not care enough that I can't dance. Similar with me singing. Oh, no, um, I break into song regularly. Yeah, the dancing, not so much. Well, yeah, I can imagine that would be a danger to all. But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to be honest, to be fair, actually, if there was ever a reason to keep, to keep pubs and clubs closed, <laughs> it was that it reduces the chances of me dancing and singing in public to zero. Yeah, yeah I suppose there is that. Sorry, everyone yes. that, that works in the hospitality sector. We've got to protect. We've got to protect yeah. the society from from, cyber, from Simon singing and dancing. Yeah, but there we go. But enough of enough of that song and dance. How was your How's your week been? Oh, still, still in in bother from yesterday. Yesterday, as you know, I am a lover of the rugby football, and England lost hideously to Wales. Did they? In a, con- a contra controversial game two tries awarded that never should have been and then we just played like a load of one-legged men in an ass kicking contest and it's not like the welsh to gloat if they win oh they'll be going to be unbearable for the next year so uh no painful to watch painful to watch but that was a low point in a generally bright and frisky week obviously with the sun out over the weekend uh we were able to take the big dog out for a good couple of thunders so yeah he's gone well and obviously, Monday, Boris announced the road, the roadmap back to normality, which we'll touch on later in the show. And um, yeah, yeah, the is it the 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 crocus of hope poking through the frosty ground of misery or something? I don't know. I mean, it was better than the road to Amarillo, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's in Texas, isn't it? Yes, yes, but. You know, never been to Texas. Big old place. What the DIY store that no longer exists? No, 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 no. The state of Texas. I've I've never been to America. Have Uh, you not? I've not. No. Oh, I've been. I've probably been a dozen times. Always on the company money, never on my own, obviously, because I'm afraid I've got business class buttocks rather than um, economy. Is class hips? Is, so no, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, I, I never, I would never have considered you for a, for a million years to be to having economy class hips. No, but uh, no. on on that bombshell, 
So, um, yes. So, hopefully, um, we'll, um, we'll be welcoming back um, Reverend Amy Webb to talk to us about uh, Cosham uh, Community Larder, which um, opened this week. Um, so, there, there might be a slight snafu that means that she, um, she might might not join us so we're we're just kind of like running running with the with the scheme of hell let's let's see um so that's entirely our fault for not sending over the joining details early enough so our apologies uh reverend if that means that we've um we we've missed we've missed our opportunity but we'll we'll create another one if if you aren't able to make it this evening but please do join us if you can um so yeah so other than that should we talk about what happened on the because it's the it's the last day of the month who knows you know that's the second month gone of the year this year's just going like that you know yeah 28th of february on this day so on this day on this day um 1931 british politician oswald molesley founds the new party ah uh, now i i'm not overly familiar with molesley but i was he the old uh, was he the old fascist lad? <laughs> yes, he was. Um the dar- the darling of the Daily Mail, I think. Um and um you know, make comparisons to whichever populist politicians of the, of the, of our current climate, um, as you will. Um I won't. But um yes. But it's interesting yeah. the, these um the, these um people that just kind of out of the blue decide to start new political parties or rename political parties that they've created, I guess, or even parties that aren't parties that are just actually a vehicle to actually ask people to shovel loads of money towards the person that's probably got more money than most of the people actually joining the political party. But, you know, hey, what the heck? Yeah. You Are you being all... Are you being nasty to Nigel again? <laughs> Of course not. Absolutely not. We're, if, we're, as, only ma- we're only making plans for Nigel. Are we? If I, if I may quote the great... I want to say that was XTC. But anyway, we digress. So Mosley, yes. his new party, um, yes. not ideal. Obviously, they didn't stick around long enough to not be a new party anymore. No, no. no. Um, thankfully. But there, but there we go. Um, on you know, on the other side of the channel, two years later though, 1933, after the Reichstag fire decree, the German Communist Party is essentially outlawed, though not formally banned, after the German government blames the communists for burning down the Reichstag building, um, which is something kind of contested about whether they were actually responsible or not, or whether that was a a, a put up job. But nonetheless. Um, <clears throat> There we go. I don't look... In, I, tensions, political tensions, yes. you've got to say. Yeah, look, I was going to say, look, I don't pick these things. I mean, obviously, I pick them from a list of yeah, all of the things do, that that happened on this day, but I have to kind of narrow it down from, like, the 20-odd things that normally happen to, like, about a, a, a short list of about 10, and then I whittle it down to three or four. Um, so... Um, 1953, Francis Crick and James Watson discover the chemical structure of the D- of DNA molecule, the double helix polymer. Go, go yeah. on, Ian. Tell us all what DNA stands for. Oh, deoxyribonucleic acid. Oh, you git. 
Right, okay. Because I wasn't going to try that sober, and I sure as hell wasn't going to try it if I'd been drinking, yeah. which, I, which I haven't. I've got, I've only got tea. This yeah. is honestly tea, right? Yeah, um, yeah, no, no. no. Um, so I was the first one. I was uh, that I was potentially going to. I was all right with nucleic acid, but I was uh, I was going to word soup the first one if I wasn't careful. And I'm, but I think I've just been confident enough. No, you got a lot of bit of DNA. Uh, you do. It's um, I, but I think your love for DNA is in your genes, right? Yeah, hey, boom, boom, see what. See, see what I've done there. You've, you've yeah. Done that, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd like to make a base pair sequence with that one. So, yeah, yeah. Um, 1983, the final episode of MASH airs on CBS. Um, a record 125 million pound watch. Million pound? 125 million watch it in the US. Is that your washing now, machine in the background again? Yeah, that is my washing machine in the background. We ours aren't duetting like they were last week. Yeah, yeah. we we both we both have similar models of Samsung washing machines, and they both sing yep. this little ditty when the, when they finish, which is quite nice. Yes, indeed. Uh, not that we are sponsored by Samsung, no, although if, if they one want of to. the world's premier wine good manufacturers wants to step forward, we are always available for sponsorship offers. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, we would or ensure just money. they were neutral and balanced and fair. Oh, who are we kidding? Anybody rocks up with money, we're on board. <laughs> we're good. Well, um, I mean, we're not, like, we're not like certain political parties who will take donations I'd lo- from anybody. I'd, I'd, love, but, yeah. I'd love to see Uncle Nigel come up with a wedge now and see whether he'd go with it. Yeah, that's not that's not happening. Um, the phrase, <laughs> over my Uncle dead body. Farage's fun time, Pompey politics podcast. What's that um, No, we digress. No, a, a funny one, Mash, because I think I was so 83, so I would have been 13, 14. And I've kind of watched some of them mash back. And it's one of those series where just can't see what was meant to be funny about it you know there are some things that you look at and you go okay uh, you look at it through the lens of today the humor's a bit crass or it's a bit do you know what i mean it's a bit it's a bit slapstick or it's a bit i just watch mash and i'm like nope no idea what was supposed to be funny there see i have the i have the I have a similar. I mean, I've not rewatched any match mash. Oh, crikey! Any mash since I saw it when I was younger. I think I think my mum was was quite the fan. Um, and of course, as a West Wing fan, um, Alan Ada played the Republican candidate for the uh, general election in the um, in the election that, that basically consumes the last two seasons of of the West Wing, um, and he he was a very he was a very good candidate. He was a very very good actor. Um, so um, yeah, I, I kind of liked it, but I haven't watched it with the modern day lens um, series. To be honest, that I've watched that I never understood what the point of. Um, I've never got kind of like any of the Borat stuff. I find the Office I can't watch because at the time I worked in an office, so it was it was too close to home for me. Probably because I was the person that everyone else was thinking was a ludicrous idiot. Um, and um, Friends, I do find, has aged terribly badly. A bit like myself. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Because the, the Office, I, I, I was all right with The Office. The only problem I had with is, what's his name? The, the chap who plays the lead. David Brent. Oh, good grief. Why can't I? Um, Ricky yeah. Gervais? Yes, I've never warmed to him as a human being, and I was never convinced he wasn't just playing himself in the office. So, yeah, didn't get that one. League of Gentlemen. Now, there was one that I watched and went, nope, 
Don't don't get it at all. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there on that one. But moving so, moving swiftly on. Sorry, we've digressed. Yes, we have. Sorry, guys, you haven't tuned into a different show. Um, so good evening, Lynn. Um, welcome. Um, Lynn loved Mash, and a, and, a, and even her kids love it. So um, we won't we won't sing the song. Um, 1984 British, uh, what is it? British satirical puppet show spitting image premieres on now, ITV. That was funny. That was. Is that it? was properly funny. In fact, only this week, bearing in mind my youngest son is 17, we, in a random way and for no good reason, broke into a, 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 a the chicken song. Oh, good grief. Yeah, and we, we, we managed to get all the, uh, you know, all the things in the right orders, ending with disembowel yourself with spears. Yeah, no, it was all there. Hold a chicken. Yeah, we're not going to do it because yeah, we can't afford the, look, the royalties. Yes. Um, so, Royal yes, and of course it's been... And then bury all your clothes. Resurrected, isn't it, on, on Britbox. And one of only two songs that I know of mm. that contain the word Arapaho. Uh, um, As one of the things was learn to speak Arapaho. Okay. Um, well, we're—I I don't really know where to go with that one, but that was. You, um, could, you could tell me this other song with the rapper in it. Uh, yeah, I'll go on then. Yes, because because our listener is desperate to know. Um, the Reverend is on her way in. She's just um, joining. This is superb. So we're 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 all right. We're we're, we're we can pad. We're professionals. No, we're not. Um, so what is... Ian, please tell us, what is the other song with Arapaho in it? It's the old Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick by Ian Jury and the Blockheads. Eskimo, Arapaho, move their bodies to and fro. Hit me with your rhythm stick. Yeah, I... I yes, I... Mm. I kind yeah. of quite liked that song, but I don't really actually understand why. <laughs> um, I think it was just to get a. I think it was just to get the rhyme using two different indigenous people to get the uh, to get the rhyme in place. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know kind of what it was. It might be the same kind of school of thought as to why I why I liked a working class hero by John Lennon so much because obviously it's got swearing in it. So you know, ten year old Simon no. thought that was quite funny listening to that in the back of the. Hillman Avenger as we drove up to Kenilworth where my nan and granddad lived oh, at the time. So, um, but there we go. Back into yesteryear. Let's, let's, um, so that's our trip or our crash. A stumbling. A stumble. Ramble down memory lane. Yes, a ramble down memory lane. So we've rambled all the way down memory lane. Um, so we'll, we'll pad a bit specifically um, while um, Reverend Amy Webb um, gets her laptop fired up to join us. So no she'd done... Um, Bit of local news this week, wasn't there? In terms of, you know, we know that uh, that um, Labour and the Conservatives are definitely going to have new leaders. Yes. And, um, and uh, it was, I think, it was this morning. The news broke in the evening news that the Team Labour have elected their their leader and um, and second in command. They did. I mean, to be fair, it, it broke uh, in the Twitter and Facebook verse 
before it got to the evening news. I'm, so, I'm oh. sorry, guys. Um, but uh, but yes, so congratulations go to uh, Councillor George Fielding, who um, who is now the leader of the Portsmouth, or will be the leader of the Portsmouth Labour Group on Portsmouth City Council and deputy leader and previous guest repeatedly on the podcast, uh, Councillor Cal Corkery. Yeah, congratulations both. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've uh, we've reached out to George today to uh, invite him on. Obviously, it's a voice we haven't heard before, so we'd love him to come on and join us and give us the red perspective in Portsmouth, which it would be fair to say often Simon and I don't represent especially well. So we'd love to love to hear them come on and uh, and and give us their views. Indeed, indeed. Um, there's some sort of metaphor about the baton being handed over to the next generation in you know on, in more than one group a similar sort of time um and obviously the the different mechanics as to how the different groups are organizing yeah, I that can, but I, I can tell you about the conservatives so the, um and again i i was having a chat uh, last week with donna mm-hmm. and the the tradition for electing the group leader they do this say they do it every year and it is usually a face-to-face meeting on the Friday tea time after the election on the Thursday, where all of the candidates that have been successful uh, get together to elect their group leaders. So, you know, their their rationale for not doing it in advance is that they're, they're you know, they want to make sure that the people that elect their group leader are people who are going to be councillors. So folk who have either retained their seats or taken seats off of the other parties so together have a cup of tea and agree who their new leader is so the electorate of that election are the most recently infused by the electorate at large yes um yeah and and to be fair i I think procedurally the the lib dem uh way is is um is very similar although i don't think there's a there's a requirement for tea time on the friday after the election um but it might be something similar but i think probably this time it might be they both well. They both might have to wait because counting might not be finished um, the Friday after the election that because of the counting will be done slightly differently in order to comply with COVID regulations. But we can talk. We can talk later on a bit about the roadmap and how that's um, how that impacts on the election a little bit. But we do have um, in our virtual green room. We do have uh, Reverend Amy Webb. So let's get let's get the Reverend in, and let's hear about Kosham Larder who opened this week. Good evening, Amy. Evening, Amy. Just got you on mute. I think I'd know by now. Brilliant. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Sorry about the, the confusion about sending the instruction details late, so I apologise about that. That's fine. <laughs> um, so I, yeah. guess to, I guess you've had a very busy week. Yeah, it has been. Um, it's been good. It's been it's been really nice, actually. Yeah. So we um we op- we launched on Tuesday, um, and uh, uh, it's been really positive. We had no idea really whether we would get you know like um, people queuing, you know, hundreds of people, or whether we'd get nobody at all. It was really difficult to judge. Um, we'd had quite a lot of interest on our um, Facebook page, but whether that relates, you know, equates to people coming down, you know, it's difficult to tell. So um, so actually it was just perfect. We had 
um, 31 people on the first day, um, 22 on the second, and 28 on the third. So, um, which was just perfect because obviously it's not a very big space. No. Um, but so, and they were spread out during that day, so that worked out worked really well. So, uh, yeah, really pleased. Perfect. So, for the, those of our listeners that didn't um, didn't hear our first episode, can you just uh, go over, just give us a quick refresh on what is the Cosham Larder, um, and what does it do? Okay, so um, so the Cosham Larder is it's located in um, Cosham Park, uh, behind the tennis courts, and it is um, it's in the what was the former ladies' bowling pavilion. Uh, which obviously had, has been run down over recent years, but has been renovated by the council um, for the purposes of the Koshmalada. And the Koshmalada is a membership scheme, is the best way to describe it, really. And so you can become a member of the Lada, um, and you sign up and you pay a pound to be a member for the year. And once you're a member, you can come and shop in the Lada, um, and you can you pay three pounds when you shop and you can choose 10 items from the larder um, whichever items you want uh, and the only criteria is that you need to live in Cosham, Wimmering or Paulsgrove um, and you can only use the larder once a week so really uh, people are able to access um, you know good quality um, food at a much reduced price basically um, but it's it's not um, like a food bank or something like that. It's not something that's only for people who are uh, in dire straits um, and uh, you know desperate kind of thing. It's it's um, it's for all the community is the idea. Um, and the thinking behind that is that um, if we can offer sort of um, good quality low cost food sort of to everybody. Um, people will then be able to make use of, you know, everyone's kind of um, resources, um, our hard-earned resources, uh, without having to worry about access to food. You know, that we just kind of felt like in the, you know, 21st century, worrying about food should not be something that in, that people are worrying about in our area. And it's something we can um, help with. Um, also, the food itself comes from the supermarkets, from their um, their overstock things that are um, you know that they can't sell because they think it's going to go out of date, that sort of thing. So um, so this food, if we weren't kind of using it, putting it through the larder, it would end up you know being wasted, would been been thrown away. So by accessing the larder, you're also helping to reduce food waste. So uh, you get to feel good in on two in two ways. You're reducing food waste and you're you know saving money. Excellent. <laughs> so um, and what's been the the community and customer response so far? You said you had quite a few people actually on your on your first day, but how's um yeah. how how are people res- responding to it? Because it is like you say it's um it's a slightly different um enterprise in that no referral is necessary. It's just that you geographically live in the areas. In in Cosham, Wimmering, and um, and Paulsgrove, as you as you said, so you know it, it's not like kind of others other similar kind of sets up setups. How how's the response been to um to it? Yeah, it's been really good. It, I, it's been difficult. It's taking time to try and get the, this idea across because it, it it's a kind of a new concept really, mm. um, uh, and in part one of the things we want to do is to be able to reduce the stigma 
or you know because uh, as i say you have to be at a, a sort of a real crisis situation before you can go and uh, you have to get a referral to a food bank etc and you know that's a real you know horrible process when you're already feeling pretty desperate i imagine um and that's the kind of model that people have seen they do fantastic things but we were kind of thinking well what what bring it back a bit you know lots of people out there we think are um are finding things financially difficult i mean they were before the pandemic but now with the pandemic as well that's exacerbated that situation um people who were working you know uh, full-time but are still kind of you know struggling to meet all of the bills that sort of stuff um you know we could just sort of level the playing field a bit here we could make sure that everybody has access um to food it, it was the kind of thinking and so it's trying to get that information out because <laughs> people people like they get it because they haven't um you know come across it i guess before i think it's something that will probably expand and then we'll start to see a lot more of these sorts of things um but it's just that when you're sort of new in the area doing something like that it's trying to get across because people are a bit like some people were kind of oh I don't need to I don't need to use this because you know I, I'm okay um and because and everyone always can think of somebody off worse off than them can't they so um and we were sort of like no no actually by using the Alada you help us become be, be sustainable really to be viable mm. by actually having people using the larder and uh using the food etc and then you know it, it creates the, the sort of the turnover um uh, and also the whole point is about trying to reduce the stigma in which case everybody needs to to use it yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's an interesting point amy because we i was looking online you know when you launched and i was i was following i, I followed a great discussion thread that was like oh, this is fantastic. You know, I'm really, you know, oh, this is such a great community resource. Oh, but I don't know whether I should be going along because, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not really that hard up. Uh, mm. You know, am I going to be, you know, th there's the feeling that if you are managing, will you be going and taking food off the table of those that aren't? Or, you know, should you be going along and supporting it? You know, as you say, because part of it's about food recycling as much as it is about you know providing providing good quality low-cost food and what's scary is there's no shortage of food if uh, apart from the, the, the space the square footage of, of the larder itself you know if we needed to uh, have more food in because of an increased um, usage we could do that I think that's really something that's been quite eye-opening for me because yeah I'm aware that you know there's a lot of supermarkets waste a lot of food you know it's the nature of the beast um you know that there's a lot of stuff gets thrown away but it's only when you kind of realize the stuff that that's come into us the quality of it the quantity of it it's just like wow you know what these this beautiful tray of tomatoes if we don't kind of distribute it this would just get thrown away you know it's just it's, it is quite overwhelming it is it, it is frightening isn't it so so if if I would have uh, turned up with my uh, with my shopping bag this week, what what would you say are the what are the things that have been flying off the shelves in the costume larder this week? What what would a what would a typical ten item bag look like? Oh well, depends what you're looking for really. But we, I can tell you that we've had um, fresh produce, so we've had um, uh, you know uh, uh, carrots, broccoli, potatoes, onions, shallots um swede massive swede um tomatoes apples bananas 
so we've had all that sort of fruit we've and vegetables we've had all the various different uh tins and packets you can get rice and pasta and baked beans and tinned fruit and all of that kind of stuff tinned fish um in our chiller cabinet we had some really nice stuff as well we had brie and pate <laughs> and um there were some ready meals there was some vegetarian stuff that we had um uh, milk orange juice a lot of hot cross buns more than we could get rid of so we were going around you know handing them to people <laughs> working out what we could do with them um so but we don't have much control over um what comes in so you know we don't know for certain what we're going to have each week yeah. uh, obviously but but the variety has been good i mean if you you come into the store it feels like uh, any other small sort of convenience store really or sort of grocers um so uh yeah so and it's got that feel about it which is what we wanted you know to just feel like a nice a nice little shop basically well, and, that, and that's fantastic and, and that fresh produce you know there's so much you know you see so much in the news about you know obesity within children and the lack of you know it's so much easier to buy a frozen pizza than it is to buy it's it's cheaper to buy a frozen pizza than it is to buy fresh produce so it must be really encouraging to see that kind of flying off of the shelves yeah and what we would hope to do um down the line is to be able to develop um so if you're a member of the larder you know it's like a, a community in its own right and we want to be able to share things like recipes that people mm. you know have done with the produce that they've got uh, from the larder to to help us all basically have ideas about um you know kind of cooking and at home um uh, because so many people um you know weren't taught at home how to do home cooking or when they didn't learn at school or whatever it's it, you know it's not part of the school curriculum for many schools these days that kind of stuff um and to be honest you know you can look at a whole load of stuff in the supermarket and not really know what to do with it so i think if we can help people with that as well that would be um be good so in a small way we just i just started this week on the facebook page just putting out um because we had a glut of bananas so i took some bananas home uh and uh had a go at making a really simple like banana pudding so I put up the recipe link, put my photos of my basic poor attempt at <laughs> banana pudding and just said, look, this is a really simple thing you can do with your bananas. Um, and that seems to have been received quite well. Um, so so we'll continue to do that. But um, the, how you how you become a member, one of the ways that you can become a member is to sign up online. So we have this uh, website um, and at the moment, people can sign up online and then they activate the, the account when they come for the first time. Um, but that website has a capacity for much more. So for, you know, blogs and things like that. So we might actually be able to develop the, that community side of it through the through the website as well. So that's fantastic. I'm, I'm a keen cook myself. Eh? I might might volunteer to stick. Oh, yes, please do, because it, it's really not my skill set. So. <laughs> happy to receive recipes oh, from other people <laughs> absolutely no I, I still frighten my children because if, if the onion's too strong i always uh, chop it with my eyes closed because i can't see it anyway so it doesn't really make much difference to me wow <laughs> well, but, um, well no, it, it sounds like it's really successful how about volunteers how are you uh, how are you off the volunteers yeah we, we're, we're just gradually um picking some up along the way we've got a few people who have from the community who have have um filled in a volunteer application form um uh, we're also practicing safer recruitment practices so then we need to do reference checks and things um so they're kind of trickling through now um but happy to receive 
uh, more <laughs> volunteers. It, it, it's difficult for people, obviously, because it's working hours for many people because mm. it's uh, middle of the day at this point. Um, you know, if, if it is really successful and we want to expand, maybe we'll look at the different times of day in the future. But so, at this point, it's, yeah, just the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 10 till 2. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to start somewhere, haven't you, I guess? But if, if people are interested in in volunteering what's the do they do that from the website as well um the probably the best thing is to, is to email me uh at uh, which is larder at koshamwimmering.org kosham and wimmering sorry.org and uh or you can just come down to the larder and we can give you a form excellent okay um and i've i've put the the links into the into the chat um for the um for your facebook page and and for the website um and the email the email details are on the website but um just so that everyone's got it the website is koshamlada one word dot wildapricot.org um but uh yeah it's a it, it's good to see that it's got off the because i know you when when you spoke last time you were you were kind of i think you were hoping to kind of get going the mid middle of january so you you um but you seem to still even though you know you know things happen to be honest and you're kind of a little bit behind perhaps where you where you'd hoped to be but it seems that you've got off to a, a really good start is there anything particularly you'd pick out that that you've kind of learned out the out of the first week or from the setup process at all um the setup process uh, has been interesting because obviously um we're working in partnership of, with other organizations so um uh, which is fantastic and is what is what has made it possible to happen but it's also uh you know, it makes things take longer in some respects as well, because there's all these people involved. But um, so, uh, so yeah, we unfortunately weren't able to open uh, quite when we first had to, we had to sort of sort out all various things with the lease and everything. But, um, but uh, the, vol- the the partner groups have been incredibly generous. I mean, the, the city council have uh, renovated the building specifically for this purpose. Um, and, uh, and the Southern Co-op put in all of the, shelving so it's all very professional inside it's all been fitted out by southern co-op um who are incredibly generous um charity called the hive pulled all the different groups together and and got it all sorted out uh and then um st philip's church has picked up the kind of running of it all and and uh all that kind of stuff and the, the structures and the finance and everything so um so that's been an interesting learning curve working with all these different groups uh not something i'd kind of done before um but that has been positive um in terms of since opening what have we learned i think for me i mean it's only been three days you know 12 hours um but it's confirmed to me that there is a need Mm. um we perceived a need but um that has confirmed the conversations that we've had with people which are you know incredibly valuable um you know people are saying you know uh I, i was um you know, uh, around a business, my own business, and basically, I haven't worked for a year. Um, you know, yeah. so it's not a, a case of being sort of furloughed. I've not worked for a year. Yeah. You know, and, and things yeah. are tight. Uh, or I've been, I've been on furlough, and you know, it's both of my husband and I are both on furlough, and it's it's difficult. You know, we've got kids, whatever, um, and so they're really appreciating um, being able to get good quality stuff um, for a reduced price because you know. We all know shopping is expensive. Uh, and of course, families with kids at home, with homeschooling, everyone knows they just want to eat constantly. <laughs> it's like, oh, can I eat? Can I have? You know, so they're snacking more than they would do anyway, normally. So also parents, you know, happy to pick up stuff, 
that they can keep the kids um, munching on. Um, so yeah, so far, uh, and also just the, the uh, generosity of, of the people in Cosham, really. Um, people sort of uh, interested, supportive of the idea, um, you know, looking for ways to kind of get involved. And that's been, that's been really nice. Good. Well, it, it's good. It's good to hear that, you know, you've been able to, you've been able to open the doors. You've, you know, you're off, you're off and running. Um, and that, um, and that it, and it's going so well. And, um, yeah, so basically, um, people please go join. <laughs> yes, please, please come and be a part of it. Yes. We'd love that. Okay. That, that, that's fantastic. Ian, did you have any other follow-up or you? No, just a, uh, it sounds absolutely fantastic, and I, 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 some, I, maybe the next couple of weeks, if I'm fine time in the working day, I'll saddle my guide dog up, and we'll, we'll come down and say hi. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Look forward to seeing you. Brilliant. Thanks ever so much, Amy. Okay, thanks, for joining thanks guys. Us. Thanks, Amy. Yeah, there we go. Another good news story for the community. Really good news story, isn't it? And I, and I just think you know again. Uh, you know, I'll be honest, I, you know, my, my thoughts, you know, when you had, my first thoughts was, well, you know, is it going to be kind of all tins and long life? And, you know, I'm just hearing about all the great fresh produce. And, and I think it is a dying art, isn't it? You know, kind of cooking from scratch. And, and again, one of the things I, 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 I regularly do is, is I bury veg. You know, if you're making a, if you're making a bolognese, well, it's, dead easy just to grate a few extra carrots cut the celery sticks chop them up fine bung them in with your own and suddenly you've buried an extra couple of portions of veg in amongst your your delicious meaty based sauce so i'd see that that sort of products on offer you could you could you could switch that up and change that for a vegetarian alternative either you could but then it would disappoint you greatly so don't do that i'm sorry everybody not anyway but um but yeah well, this is true. I, I don't know i wonder whether i mean part of that is the is sadly the kind of the lost skill of um you know of of making of scratch making of making um you know making making stuff from uh from ingredients but also that um i don't know maybe that's a a downside of of such a convenient lifestyle, when I use that word in inverted commas, is that we're so used to being able to get what we want when we want it that we're not used to making something out of what we've got left. I yeah, no, and it's it's an interesting one. Friend, friend my best friend, is he's, he's moved away from Portsmouth. He's got his own small holding now, and you know his 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 real frustration because um, he's a funny sort of fella is about the fact that. You know, when you shop in the supermarket, you shouldn't be able to buy asparagus in December. You know, there is a season for asparagus and it's a short season. And if you like asparagus, and I do, just enjoy it while it's there and it's British and it's fresh. Why are you flying asparagus in from Morocco? It kind of, it, you know, it really, and when you start hearing about the amount that the, you know, we always expect that there will be fine beans and monge too on the shelf. Well, they're grown in Kenya. And you kind of think, can we not find another green vegetable at this time of year? Oh, I don't know. A cabbage. Broccoli. You know, just, there are, it's a fun, yeah, yeah. yeah. It feels, it, it feels like a, 
we're, we're in danger of collapsing into um, Only Fools and Horses and a Blackadder sketch combined with something about Monge 2 and all the things, two, you, with, <laughs> all the things yeah. you can do with But you know what I mean, though, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, that, it's, it, it is, a, and maybe yeah. that's for another show, is yeah, that that's kind the, of just because you can food-wise doesn't mean you should. Yeah, I d- so I, maybe. I've maybe, disappeared off screen because well, I thought my dog wanted to go out, but okay. he's not there. So um, I'll come okay. back. Well, um, you come back. So let's um, so let's move on to let's move on to the roadmap. So the government's roadmap. So <laughs> so so last week, Boris Johnson announced that the government had a roadmap um, that basically sets out four tests um, that will enable them to provide, and they've provided basically a a a timeline of of different things that will happen, presuming that certain criteria are met that take us on a on a journey of removing some of the restrictions that we've lived with off and on for the last 12 plus months um, to get us back to something approaching normality on on June the 21st I mean it's outrageous that they wanted to do it you know why can't what was wrong with the June the 13th I don't know um but no, sorry don't need to you've lost me there June 13th is my birthday um oh was it yeah oh yeah, that's, that's- so it's eight days afterwards. Yeah, but that's fine. You know, that's okay. It's fine. So June thirteenth, seventeen, twenty. Yeah. So thirty-four and seventeen. So if we were to do something on June the thirtieth, that would be equidistant between our two birthdays, and would be past the lockdown date. It would. It would. Maybe we'll have a special. We should do a live. What a live fuel episode. <laughs> Yeah, okay. What so we'll be yes, I, what could possibly go wrong if we both actually rock up and do a session when we've been drinking? Um I'm sure it won't be um yeah. Mm. I mean it it might be worth doing. I don't know that anyone would really want to listen to it, but hell, what the heck. Um it's never stopped us before. Um so yeah, so the government's kind of set out these four tests that, you know, that the vaccine deployment continues um successfully, that evidence shows that the vaccines are sufficiently effective in reducing hospitalizations and fatalities in 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 those vaccinated that infection rates uh, do not risk a surge in hospitalizations which would put unsustainable pressure on the nhs and that the assessment of the risks is not fundamentally changed by new variants of concern so you know to be fair there's kind of four kind of gateway processes yeah, there that solid. say yep you know uh, are we are we in danger of losing control again are we, are we, you know, are things heading in the right direction? And is there enough kind of flex in, um, in transmission rates or in hospitalisation rates that allows us to actually remove restrictions before t- before taking? So, so to be fair to me, as someone that loves a good timeline, as someone that that you know that that loves a kind of you know loves a Gantt chart, project a gated oh. gated gated oh. process. I can I, there was a bit of me that just was like, am I going to put this on a PowerPoint or am I going to put this in Microsoft Project? Oh, and I, so like, I had to stop myself. But thankfully, the government has produced clear documentation i oh, know it's it's a it's a miracle um so the, the step step one the 8th of march um yes. education so schools and colleges are going to be open for all students um, and for practical higher education uh, courses so ones where physically turning up access to equipment or you know you, things that you can't do from home um those um yeah but i don't mind sharing at this point my youngest uh, noah is doing He's doing his level three drama course. And obviously, you know, there is very little that you can do remotely 
um you know they've been keeping in touch and chatting but yeah yeah it's uh so no it's uh, yeah it's it's not that it's not the same is it but um yeah, so you know there are there are definitely things. I mean, I've I've got friends that um, that work in um, in further education, uh, teaching um, media courses, and you know there, there's a limit to what you can you know you can talk about the theory in a Zoom call, but you can't actually kind of show demonstrate. Okay, yeah. if you shoot a camera from this angle, you know if you if you take your camera shot from this angle, if you're shooting this sort of event, you need to go here, or you know this is how you kind of manage the lighting, etc. You can't do all of that sort of stuff, and most people don't necessarily have access to a machine that would enable them to do editing etc so um so there's all, all those all those sorts of examples um but yeah so 8th of march exercise and recreation outdoors with household or one other person from the household um so the restrictions indoors are still the same so you can yep. only only people from your household um allowed um indoors um but business activities um you know, 8th of March, wraparound care, including sport for all children, uh, travel, basically stay at home, no holidays still. So it kind of gently, I mean, I'm not going to read out all of, all of the kind no. of thing, but as it gently kind of goes through it and each of their kind of criteria is, are the four tests being met? And then the next the next stages are, um, this is at least five weeks from the previous stage, but no earlier than... And it gives kind of a succession of dates actually yep. in the plan. April the twelfth. April that yes. So the next step April is April is the twelfth. Yeah, April the twelfth. So it to me, as someone that loves a good process, as someone that loves loves a clear um a clear flow chart that, you know, can understand, okay, this is the government saying this is what we're planning to happen at these points in time, but also yep. being clear that actually some of this stuff might need to change. Because if if things don't go the way that everybody wants it, because let's be honest, there's no one at home rooting for the virus. Nope. Um, so if things don't go the way that everybody wants, then some of these successive stages might have to be delayed. But it, I don't. I I like the idea that there's a there's clarity about I, what could yeah. be happening, but there's also honesty about there may be situations where that might not happen at that point. And we need to keep aware of that. Oh, absolutely. And look, for me, th th there is an element of, you know, if we look at the sort of the, the key the key gateways, you know, it is no earlier than, which people will forget. But, you know, if I look at it, th there is that gradual easing. Um, there's April the 12th, which obviously in my world is massively significant because... You know, sat here in the drawer next to me are my weight training gloves ready to be redeployed back at the gymnasium. I've got all the physical condition of a melty weedly bin. So, uh, yeah, that can't come soon enough. Um, and then the hospitality industry starts to open up. There's self-catering holidays and camping and all that sort of malarkey until, you know, we move through until... And the interesting thing about June the 21st, what they haven't said is, is, is the 21st actually everything back to normal? Well, it, it lists that... No, the, no masks, no distancing, no... Well, it, it lists that the remaining businesses, including nightclubs, would be open. Um, domestic overnight stays um, become permitted, as does international travel. Um, no legal limit on live events um, and larger events. But there is, um, 
I don't know that it's um that it kind of specifically says about you know dropping. I haven't kind of picked up about removing the requirement for so it, but, but it, it in other ways it says about basically removing all of the other the other restrictions so yeah um i i guess if i'm really honest of all of the things that that can be moved back i don't think that moving a mask when you go around sainsbury's is is the thing that you need to worry about stopping doing at this point i'd have thought if you're trying to balance the needs of um trying to make sure um kids can get back into into education for all of the sorry for you know in pre, you know in person education because it's not that they haven't been getting education yep. that they have but there are obvious clear benefits um even from a mental health perspective regardless of the academic perspective of them of them doing that in person rather than online it certainly doesn't work with all with all subjects so y- you want to kind of move that back in in that sort of direction um and you know, if I'm really honest, I'd I'd rather kind of see us moving in this sort of way, um, but still having that that barrier of a of a face covering. I don't think that's a that's an issue in and of itself. I, I'd rather see us move. You know, I don't. I think that's a fair thing to kind of move down the line of you know other other types of retail reopening, other um, yeah, you know all, mean, all of those look, sorts I, of things that. I, I am not an anti-masker. In fact, nope. I did. here's one I wore earlier, just tucked in my <laughs> pocket. Um, so I no, I think you know, for me, and this is where like, this blurs the you know, in terms of my my work, the social distancing is the is the biggest um, is the one for me, which is is the when that can go, that that is the biggest challenge. One of the services I look after is is my sighted guide which effectively is a voluntary service where people can volunteer who are fully sighted to work with somebody who's vision impaired and effectively help them do what they want to do, be that go for a walk in the park, you know, go and out and have a coffee. Um, And, you know, we've had to suspend that service for over a year because if you are a sighted guide, effectively the vision, vision impaired person needs to cling on to your elbow. And whilst we're looking at some other alternatives of, of doing that in a distanced way. Um, obviously, the easiest way to do it is if somebody holds your elbow. And you can't do that until the social distancing is removed. So if that is June the 21st, I'm a very excited man. Yeah, it's um, and, and that's the thing is that some of some of these things, I don't think everybody is aware of just how some of these finer details um by their very nature make it make them more difficult for some people than, than others um and it, you have to kind of bear that in mind as well don't you and i guess that's you know that that those are the decisions that the government has to take into account when it when it's kind of making that so for me I, sorry no no i think it is very difficult and i and i think there is an element of you know when the government's making these decisions it, it, it is it is tricky to know what's the right answer you know, so I've, there's been a lot online this week about, you know, the rollout has thus far been entirely based on risk-based evidence, and there was a, you know, there is a there is a growing movement that says, well, once you've once you've vaccinated all the high-risk groups, rather than continuing on an age-based profile, you should be looking on a on a 
potentially an employment-based profile. So, for instance, you know, should we be vaccinating all the teachers and the police officers who are, let's say, 27, 28, before we're, you know, vaccinating a perfectly fit and healthy 48-year-old? Yeah, and that... And Tough call? It, it, well, yeah, it, it is. I mean, um, but I guess you make that decision based on... You, you'll do some sort of an analytics around risk um and prevalence and mm. you know the um the impact of actually people in those different groups um catching the catching the virus and how severe uh, an impact it would be to you know to um you know how likely are those age groups that, that then those groups actually fall into how likely are they to then actually be uh, become ill seriously ill or require hospitalization or, or got a bit worse worse from it so the, so there's lots of i think there's there's lots of analysis and 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 crunching that kind of goes on behind the scenes um i think surely any sensible person can understand that you can't prioritize everybody because you know that's just a misreading of the word priority yeah yeah um, I, i'm i'm brian and so is my wife yeah um well that's a different show so um, I th- I think there's a I think there has to be kind of like a there has to be a, a logical plan about it. Uh, you know, consider for me, considering that schools are going to be reopened, and considering that not everybody in our classrooms, whether that's teachers or teaching assistants or support staff or, or whatever, not everybody um, that's working in classrooms, keeping kids educated and, and safe, are going to be people that are incredibly unlikely to suffer serious effects yep. of of catching it so the you know to me there's a, there's an argument of isn't there enough capacity in the vaccination program to be able to i i don't know maybe i'm being really simplistic on this isn't there a, isn't there enough capacity that you know when you get to the have them on the short list at the end of the day call them if they're you know if you've got yeah. people that haven't turned yeah. up to appointment they're the, they're the first port of call i don't i don't yeah. know how you you know, I, I obviously don't know the detail about how that's kind of organised, but from a perspective of we've certainly seemed to now be beyond the point where we didn't have enough supply, so the supply wasn't obviously keeping up with demand. That's obviously kicked in, kicked in really, really well, and we've got successive different, uh, different vaccinations. So we've got, you know, we're not relying, mad, aren't they? we're not relying on, we're not relying on one particular supplier, so we haven't put all our eggs in one basket. So to me, of all of the things, if I'm really honest, of all of the things that I've criticised of the government's actions over the last over the last 12 plus months their decisions to purchase and the agreements that they've reached with different um different uh com- farm um pharmaceutical companies about the purchasing of, of the vaccinations and the organ and the organization of the rollout itself has been absolutely the the the, the right thing and has and has gone absolutely really well it's but it's because it's being handled by the professionals in those areas that that need to that need to do it and in some ways actually they're best left to look we'll give you what help we can to knock down the barriers that are stopping you do it but this is what we need you to do and those people in those those sectors in the healthcare sector know what the impact of getting people vaccinated is so it's absolutely a primary motivator for them to yeah. make that as successful as possible and i i just think let's let's crack on I mean, and and again, you know, if you look at it, the the, the numbers are incredible. I think I saw a number that we we vaccinated five hundred and seventy thousand people yesterday. I'm like, 
that is staggering numbers. Now, bear in mind, I, I spent a lot of my career moving hundreds of thousands of doses of vaccine about. And when I look at some of these numbers, it, it is, you know, again, I died kind of my eyes go wide. You know, again, I had, I had you know, faced a challenge, I think it was probably five, six years ago, where we, we have a vaccine we sold in the US that we then it was a childhood vaccine that we then showed that people over 55 could get it and it would make a massive difference in terms of their risk profile and we had to do i think we we were planned to do 15 and we ended up doing 35 million doses in the year now that was quite a challenge logistically but when you compare that to the you know what have we done 22 23 i, I lose track million doses in the uk in under two months yeah it's it, brain explodes i honestly don't know and, and again I've, I've swapped a couple of emails with my old chums over in belgium who are um who are pushing the pfizer vaccine and yeah i, I don't think they've had a lot of sleep in the last year um no and and i'm sure everybody's grateful of <laughs> of the sacrifice of their of, of their sleep in in that respect it's i i just think it's going really well. The worry for me would be that people see how successful the vaccination program is going um, and that causes some people to be a bit complacent or to read ahead of what's in the plan yep. for the uh, for the removal of restrictions. So for me, that's kind of the danger. Obviously, the big call out that the government recognises in its own and its own set of four tests is what happens with regards to new variants that, that pop up. Um, so it, So in that respect, for me, you you know in the meantime you still continue to you know wash your hands maintain a maintain a, a the the space of the two meters uh, and yeah, the face covering you do, yeah. you do all of those things because those are the last line of defense um that allow you to have at least the freedom to be able to go out and do some of these things yep. um so i think yeah there's definitely a light uh, you know there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel whether at some point that light has to be moved back because you know sadly there's a, there's a kind of like another kink in the road or not but for now um yeah. seems eminently sensible and and the right way to do it um if if only the track and trace mechanism had been as well delivered as the vaccination rollout has been that's that for me is uh, the biggest is the biggest shame because i think yeah, that, for, that would have made a massive difference for me simon the, the the you know and again look you know my position all through this has been there are things we'll get wrong mm -hmm. and there are things we'll get right. Yeah. And we won't know what they are until everything is done, dusted, and we can look at the whole, you know, the match as a whole. But saying that, if I'm calling for anything in terms of a proper independent inquiry, 22 billion on the track and trace system and what it's delivered and what it hasn't, I, I can't comprehend how you could spend that much money on something that has been that ineffective. And, yeah. you know, it is easy to throw stones. And I am not the person sat there on the sideline eating the popcorn and going, wouldn't have done that. But that at the moment for me is looking like a massive red flag in terms of how did that go as wrong as it did? Yeah, yeah. I, I, 
and to be fair, I yeah, I'm, I I I I feel I feel exactly the same. I get that in any in any, especially in a crisis situation, there will be some things that, to be honest, to some degree, actually, especially at the beginning, you try lots of different things with the expectation that actually some of them won't work, but just so that because you know that some of them will, yep. and you need to know, you need to figure out which are the things that work and which are the things that don't, and you only you only find that out by trying. Because to be fair, governments are ferociously bad at picking winners. Yep. Um, so um if anything i can understand sometimes you have to pay for things that break and things that don't work but if you man if you manage the project well you find that out soon enough or you cut the things off that don't work or you amend them so that you make them work um and sadly i don't you know i i, I don't think we're in a different place with regards to that, that that's something that you know when you if when you look at, you know, I'm sorry, NASA literally sent a robot to another planet for a tenth of the price that we paid for a track and trace system that yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, it, no, it, and that's it, the know. one that's got to be looked at, isn't yeah. it? And, and you know, in all of these things, it, it'll be a sliding scale of right and wrongness. But um, it, we're looking forward to November. Or November? Good God. I've got I mean, we can look forward to November if you want. June the 21st. I'd like, I'd like to have some summer first. Yeah, no, June the 21st. That gives me a chance for cricket season. And obviously, we could do the the massive live big birthday Pompey Politics podcast with gin-based event uh, in the interim, Yeah, um, which is something to look forward with equal measure of optimism and terror. But there, there but, is, um, I mean, there's there's hopefully our birthdays, which we could celebrate. Oh, yeah. But before that, obviously, there's the podcast's birthday, which would be the 19th of April. But we're hoping on the 18th, so the Sunday immediately before the 19th, we're hoping to set up um, an online hustings with the, the virtual hustings, with yeah, the virtual yeah, hustings with, with the, the parliament, uh, the parliamentary, with the police and crime commissioner candidates. We're just trying to kind of sort out, um, get lo- get logistics, in get, place, get logistics so. sorted out. But in the meantime, we also wanted to do uh, four um, hustings with um, four of the four four of the wards that are actually four of the 14 wards because all of the wards are up uh, i've got a, a yep. councillor up for election um at the local elections on the same day may the 6th um so if you wanted to put your like or comment against the relevant uh, whichever wards and you can you can mark for more than one uh, that you'd like to see us actually do um do shows about um then then please do that's actually on our facebook page you can you can see that and um and, and make your mark there but considering how campaigning has been very very different this year um, and although on March the 8th, um, that will open up to doorstep campaigning um, and for um, volunteer delivery, um, I don't think that it, w- it I don't think it would still be, you know, it's still it's still going to be very, very different having someone knocking on your door with a mask on, staying two metres away um, to the sort of normal conversation you want. So we're trying to line up those husting sessions to enable um, the voters to have a chance to hear what those candidates have got to say indeed and looking at the clock it is you have been listening to the pompey politics podcast blue and yellow till we die i'm ian tiny morris and our guest was reverend amy webb and i've been simon sansbury and this has been the pompey politics podcast You added a mystery extra bit. You're going off script.
Yeah, I know. It's outrageous. Um, I noticed that we had your cat meowing in the background earlier on, and then we've got my cat meowing in the background. So the cats are trying to join in. Yeah, yeah. What a catastrophe. Jesus. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>